Good morning. Luke 7, verses 36 through, I'm going to go ahead and read through 50. Many of you are familiar with this passage. And then I've got a little bit of a commentary from C.J. Mahaney in his Living the Cross-Centered Life. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. He went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping, began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, kissed his feet, anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake, spake or spoke within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one might, the one ought 500, owed 500 pence, and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And said unto him, Jesus said unto Simon, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See thou this woman, I entered into thine house. They gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. They gave me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet. Mine head with oil thou didst <laughs> mine head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at me with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgives sins also? He said unto the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Mahaney. The Bible records the story of a very unusual dinner party that Jesus attended at the home of Simon the Pharisee. Imagine yourself there in this very tense and powerful scene. We're not told, we're not told why Jesus had been invited to this dinner, but we know tensions are high between him and the Pharisees. His host has rudely and conspicuously withheld from Jesus some basic social courtesies that are due a dinner guest. Kiss of greeting, washed feet, a drop of anointing oil. These glaring omissions are obvious to all persons. Suddenly, an unexpected person appears. Into the room comes a known prostitute, a woman despised by polite society. What happens next is unthinkable to those watching. 
As Jesus reclines at the low table, leaning on one elbow, his feet stretched out away from the table, the woman stands over him and begins to weep. All conversation ceases. The sound of her weeping grows in volume, filling the house and spilling out into the street. Her freely flowing tears wet his unwashed feet. She kneels, lets down her hair, and with it begins to wipe Jesus' feet. She kisses them and anoints them with perfume as an act of worship. Can you feel the atmosphere in that room? No one eats. No one moves. Perhaps strangest of all, Jesus does nothing to suggest that the shocking behavior of this sinful woman is anything but appropriate. I believe God recorded this dramatic event in Scripture for a specific purpose. He wants us to see ourselves in that woman and follow her example. The woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears was someone who had repented of her sins. This isn't her first encounter with Jesus. No doubt she'd listened to him and teach, listened to him teach and found his words, the hope, found in his words, the hope for forgiveness and cleansing no one else was willing to grant her. When we meet her, she's already believed in Jesus and turned away from her old life. This isn't the account of her salvation. Rather, this is a beautiful expression of Christian worship, born of her love, adoration, and thankfulness toward her Savior. She recognizes her sin and unworthiness and weeps deeply. Her tears, however, are not tears of condemnation. She weeps because her guilt is gone. She loves much because she's been forgiven much. These are tears of joy, gratitude, and extravagant devotion. The Christian who desires to live a cross-centered life will regularly face his or her own depravity and the seriousness of personal sin. And he or she will do it squarely and unflinchingly. Our sinfulness is a reality. But the reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin is even greater. This doesn't mean we won't struggle occasionally with condemnation. On a daily basis, the luggage of condemnation will show up on our doorstep, begging us to load it onto our backs. In opposition to God, our pride will tell us that Jesus' sacrifice couldn't possibly be enough to secure the Father's favor completely, unreservedly forever. Do you see the luggage piling up? The enemy enemy of our soul with his lies will always be swift to whisper these accusations. When these challenges come, don't try to fight condemnation by promising to pray more or fast more often or memorize more scripture. Future obedience is certainly important, but it's impossible to resolve issues of yesterday by doing better tomorrow. Our promises of future obedience, however sincere, cannot resolve condemnation for past sin. Here's how to beat condemnation. Confess your sin to God, then believe in him. Exercise the gift of faith God has given you to believe that Jesus died for the very sins you're feeling condemned for. The punishment he received was for you. His resurrection is proof that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice. The sins of your distant past, as well as your sins of yesterday, were all atoned for. 
and need carry their weight no more. You can't atone for your sin. That's why Jesus did it for you. Being freed from condemnation doesn't require that we forget or deny the depth and depravity of our sins, whether they're committed prior to our conversion or or since our conversion. In fact, we want to know the joy and gratitude that the woman at Jesus' feet experienced. We must start by acknowledging and owning up to our own and our many sins. Though Paul called himself the foremost of sinners, he wasn't paralyzed by condemnation. He was exalting God's grace by recognizing his own unworthiness and sin as he marveled at the mercy of God. Every one of us can honestly claim the title worst of sinners. It isn't specially reserved for the Adolf Hitlers of the world. Quote, we may justly condemn ourselves as the greatest sinners as we know, writes William Law. Quote, because we know more the full and the folly of our own heart than we do of other people's. So admit it. You're the worst sinner you know. Admit you're unworthy and deserve to be condemned. But don't stop there. Move on to rejoicing in the Savior who came to save the worst of sinners. Lay down the luggage of condemnation and kneel in worship at the feet of him who bore your sins. Cry tears of amazement. Confess with Paul, quote, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Wanted to share that. That is where I want to be. I don't want to be in the miraculous events of my life going, God, thank you for saving me that I can see this. I mean, I wrote down a list of a grandchild being born, a child being born. I was even thinking of uh, the Detmers and even us when the gavel dropped. They're yours. Thinking about Africa. I mean, Bev was here, Africa. We were there. Oh, my goodness, God, thank you for that. But more than that, even in the mundane, in the mundane of walking through Walmart, of driving, of turning a wrench, digging a ditch, flipping a burger, sitting in a meal, developing lesson plans, even in those times that God may cause us to step back and go, God, thank you for saving me. And even then, maybe even a tear, a tear of an amazement that he would know me and save me. Let's pray. God, simply today, as we gather as a body of believers, may we worship you rightly and knowing what you've done for us, but that in that, even every day after, you will open our eyes to those God, the amazing work of your son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Lord, you're good. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.